Jesus receives all the honor, the honor of one who is mighty and great. He looked death in the face and didn't flinch. He embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sins of many. He died without a thought for his own welfare. He was buried like a criminal, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. It was our pains he carried, our imperfections, all the things wrong with us. We did our own thing, went our own way. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. Yet God laid on him everything we've done wrong. There he was, held on the cross with nails in wrists and feet. Before he breathed his last, committed his spirit into the hands of his father, he cried out, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Pierced, beaten, bruised, insulted, abused, mocked, ripped, torn, rejected, betrayed by his closest friends in exchange for our peace in place of our sin, in exchange for our healing, accused of living a lie when he was the truth. But he offered no words in his own defense. Did anyone really know what was happening? From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? But this is what God had in mind all along. It was God's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. The plan was that Jesus give himself as an offering for sin. God's plan deeply prospered through his son. And when Jesus saw all that would be accomplished by his anguish, he was pleased. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And God so loved every face, every name, every heart. God so loved every life that he gave Jesus his one and only son, to die a death we deserve to die, our mortal life in exchange for his eternal one. When I was in school, my teacher used to say, Farrell, put on your hearing ears. I'm about to teach something that you need. She had to say that to me a lot for some reason. I I don't know why. I want you all to put on your hearing ears. God is about to speak to us through Sandra Selmer of Elijah House. Would you make her welcome to Whitley Church? we were muted. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you about the Southern Hospitality again. <laughs> In case you didn't hear, we really are grateful, and we've had such a warm welcome, and we do want to thank you for your kindness, and, and, um, you know, in the West, they really do talk about Southern hospitality. You're, you're well known, and it's wonderful to experience it. We're grateful. We're grateful for the gifts and for uh, the fails in their home and for bringing us here. And we're grateful to the Father. It just, it just feels like we're at home here. There really is a, you know, there's a place where you, no matter where you travel in the world, if you're a Christian, there's, um, there's just that kinship, isn't there? 
And I've been praying for this church for ever since Nancy invited us here. And as I prayed for you, you know, I, I just said, Lord, what do you have for these people? What, what is your word? You know, the fresh bread for this word, for this church. And a word kept coming to me, and the word was bulwark. And that's an odd word. I mean, that's a word you don't usually use every day in everyday language, bulwark. And so I looked it up in the dictionary, and it means a wall. It means a rampart. It means a defense. And I thought about that a lot. And do you, do you guys ever play, or did you ever play that game, Red Rover, Red Rover, send this person over, and they try and break the wall? And I, I kept seeing that, but I saw this really strong wall of defense. And it was really interesting when I saw the choir standing up there, and is, aren't, weren't they marvelous? And it's like the harmonies. And when those men sang out, didn't you just feel the covering and the protection of God? And, and the women, the sopranos, and it just lifts your spirit, and the altos just blending everything. And I thought, that is such a good picture in the natural of the wall of the church. As we stand together, shoulder to shoulder, as we stand holding hands in the battle, and Pastor prayed today for those who are in a battle, even today, in sickness and, you know, struggling against sin and, and you know, with the economy the way it is. The world really, we are in a battle. Scripture made it very plain. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And so we are in a battle. And I just saw that, and I was so blessed. But I've also seen other ways. And I've seen how your, your pastors are rallying you for the people in Haiti and just encouraging you to give, to pray, to go. You know, that's being part of that wall for people that you don't even know. And I saw it in the conference and even today, when people would come up for prayer, there was a wall of prayer people. And they just prayed. They, they worked hard. And they just opened up their hearts. And I thought it was so good because what I've been seeing in the natural for your church, or in the spiritual, I was seeing in the natural happen all about me in very natural ways. Supernaturally natural, if you know what I mean. It's just nothing put on it's just so real and I was just so encouraged by that and I, I've just been praying for for you as a church in this wall that I was seeing and about the battle that we're in you know all of us the church right now in this time that we we are in and I went to to my church that Sunday and we had a special speaker and he was talking about the Battle of the Bulge. He had had a mo his mother was a nurse in the Battle of the Bulge and so he had quite a few details and as he was talking about that battle I kept thinking about Whitley and I was trying to you know how you um discipline your mind and your mind starts to wander in church and so you bring it back and no 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 this is I need to stay focused but it kept coming to you and I thought maybe the Lord is has something here for you and so I started to take notes about some of the things he shared about this battle and I think there's some truths that happened in the natural that we can apply even to the battle that you are in as part of the whole church, you know, the, the, the whole church of Christ, we're in a battle today. And I think there's some truths and some things that we can learn from as we look at this moment in history. And for those of you, it's been a long time since I was in history, so I took notes because I, I thought I, I'll never remember this because I, I had forgotten it. But this was Hitler's last really uh, push 
his last major offense against the Allies. And he thought that he could neutralize the Western Front through this and thereby continue to defend Germany. And what he wanted to do was to split the Allies and to cut off their supplies. It was the bloodiest battle in the whole war. And he misjudged the Americans. He misjudged the, their spirit. And he thought that they would not be able to fight effectively. And he thought that if, if the American front, uh, home front heard about a decisive loss, that they would lose heart. And so he was counting on that. He was counting on the Americans not being able to fight very well, being raw troops, and that the home front wasn't very supportive. And if they heard about you know, severe losses, that they would just lose all heart for the war. And he had heard about the conflict between the generals, between, between Montgomery and Patton, and he was hoping that he could exploit that conflict and use it against him. Are your brains working? Yes. Making the comparison about how the enemy tries to bring disunity, disharmony. He tries to come in and, and break that line of defense and to exploit places where we might have some conflict or some disagreements. They were strong generals. They were good generals, famous generals, and yet they butted heads sometimes. And sometimes it's in that butting head. You know, Scripture says iron sharpens iron. It's not always bad to butt heads. But sometimes in that conflict, we do allow a weakness in that wall. And the Allies, in the Battle of the Bulge, the Allies really did have superior air force. But it was cloudy, and they couldn't fly. They were grounded. And I started thinking about that, how that would apply to the church. And I thought, you know what? There, sometimes there are things in the air that really affect us. Gossip, slander, harsh words, tensions that we don't work out. You know, you know something's wrong, but you just don't know quite what it is. And don't you just say that, man, there is something in the air today. I don't know what's going on. Or you walk at home and mama's mad, you know, and the family go, man, if mama's mad, we, we got to be careful. There's something here. But it, it's true in the church, too, that sometimes we allow things in the air, in our relationships with one another, husbands and wives, you know, moms and dads and the kids and in the church, and, and it literally grounds us. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? We've been called to rule and to reign, and that's our perspective in that, in that higher place. But sometimes when we, when we get caught in, in those fleshly struggles, when we get caught in that sin and in that, you know, those struggles, oftentimes we lose our perspective. We're not fighting our battle from up here with Jesus. We're down here, and we forget that it's not flesh and blood it's not your husband you're really fighting against. It's not that person that you're having struggle against. It's the enemy. And he wants us to have those conflicts. He wants us to have that disunity. And he wants us to lose our perspective. So when we lose that higher perspective, that place of honor, that place of even honor and disagreement, you know, we can do that. We can honor each other in those places. When we lose that perspective, then we, we're grounded. Another aspect that was really fascinating to me is that the Germans had, you know, superior tank force. And when the ground was hard, they could, like, go like crazy. And I thought about how sometimes when we allow our hearts to get hardened, 
when we get mad at somebody and we don't resolve the conflict and we harden our heart against them or we hold on to an offense for a long time or we allow those roots of bitterness, you remember what scripture says, you know, that, that we can allow roots of bitterness to spring up within our heart or we become angry and we let the sun go down on our wrath. Scripture says, you know, be angry. Anger is an emotion. We all get angry. But don't sin with it. Don't let the sun go down on that wrath, lest the devil get a foothold, lest he gain some ground in your life. And that was happening with the Nazis. They were gaining ground because the Air Force was, was grounded and because the ground was hard. Remember the stronghold of cold love? Don't let my love grow cold, Lord. God, remind me. Just, just bring me back to that place of love for you and love for my spouse, love for my children, love for my brethren. Lord, bring me back into that place of harmony, into that place. Can't you just, I want you just to close your eyes and picture that choir up here again and those men on the top step. You know what? That just felt so safe to me. That just, I just, my heart was just ministered to just by seeing the choir today and hearing them sing. And that's a picture of the church. You know, the order of the church, isn't it? And when we come into that unity, there is protection there. There is freedom there. There, we can sing. Did you watch how they sang their hearts out? You know, it was like, ah, you know, and we can sing and we can enjoy this life that God has called us to. But something happened is that when it began to snow and the snow began to build up, it grounded the tanks. The tanks couldn't go. And I started to think about that. And there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. And I thought, okay, what's the remedy for the stuff in the air? What's the remedy for the conflict? What's the remedy for the disunity? And it's repentance, isn't it? It's going to God and saying, Lord, I have sinned against my brother. I've sinned against my husband. I've sinned against my wife. I've allowed disunity. I have allowed conflict. I've allowed disharmony. God, forgive me, please. And he does. He washes us clean. And it's in that snow that the enemy loses ground. He cannot go. And it's in that place that is our protection. In that same service, my pastor was talking about a friend of hers and a man who had lived in, a pastor who had lived in Spokane for a number of years, ministered there, and he had moved away to a town called Marysville. And on the 27th of December, he was preaching a sermon on Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And uh, let's just turn to that right now. And if you don't know where Malachi is, just go to Matthew and hang a left. And it's on the next, you know, the page to the left. And I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to listen again, like Pastor said, with the ears of your heart. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And this man was preaching, and they have his sermon televised, but he was preaching on this. He opened the Bible, he read that passage, and he said, and this is on the heart of God. 
And he grabbed his chest and he said, please pray for me. Something's going on in my, with my heart. And he sat down, they prayed for him, and he had had a heart attack, and he later died. And so I, I was stunned. And I thought about this scripture, turn your hearts, turn your hearts, turn your hearts. And I was thinking about the snow and the repentance. Do you know what the definition of repentance, just a really simple definition of repentance is? To turn. I'm walking this way, and I stop, and I go the other way. Repentance is a true turning of our hearts. And so I thought, yes, and, and this scripture actually is one of our founding scriptures for Elijah House. This is our heart, to turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children, to turn the hearts of the children toward the fathers, and to, to restore, to restore the family, to restore relationships. And this really caught my interest, and I began praying Malachi 4, 5, and 6 for this body, for this house. And Lord, come, and would you turn our hearts? And as I pondered and, and just stayed in the scripture a while, I also went back to verse 4, turned the page, went back to verse 4, and the Lord says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. And so I went back and read the laws again, but there was something that I was reminded of. When the law was given, and in the passage, if you want to look it up, it's in Exodus 20. But when the people, when God went to speak the law, they were so afraid, they said, Moses, you go up and you listen to God and we'll stay here and we'll, we'll um, obey you, but, but we don't want to go. We're going to die if we hear the Lord. And so at that moment, they turned from God. They turned their hearts from God and from his voice. And they said, Moses, we'll do everything you tell us to do. Did they? No. <laughs> but they had effectively turned their heart from God. And when we turn our heart from God, do we hear our leadership very well? No. Do we hear our husbands? Do we hear our wives? Do we hear our children? No. Because it is the Holy Spirit that prompts us. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so when we turn from the kindness of his law, when we turn from the kindness of his word, then we also begin to turn away from one another. It is in when we really quicken our ear to the voice of God that we hear those harmonies that we need to live in that place of unity, to live in that place of love and that flow of the Holy Spirit, the unforced rhythms of grace like the Message Bible talks about. And I thought about Jim Berkeley and his, his final last words. And when somebody says something, when that's a message and you die saying that message, people pay attention. And the way that the Bible is, is laid out, and you can look as you turn there, these words are God's final last words for a very long time. 400 years he was silent. That's a pause. And it's almost like he said, do you remember when you turned your backs and you didn't want to hear my word? Do you remember? And then there's this long pause for them to reflect, to think about it. And he said, turn your hearts. Repent to one another. Fathers, repent to your children. Mothers, repent to your children. Children, turn your hearts back to the Father, lest I strike the earth with a curse. 
And so, God, I believe that this is the message for, for us as a church, that we would turn our hearts back toward one another, that we would repent for any way that we have allowed that disunity, for any way that we've allowed things in the air to kind of, you know, to cloud things and haven't been real upfront with each other and real honest with each other and been, you know, it's loving to work things out. To go to somebody and say, you know what, I was offended by what you said, but can we talk about this? Or, you know, that really hurt me. Or to say, I really hurt you. I am sorry. I really repent for that. I didn't mean that, but I know it hurt you, and so I repent to you. A question that we need to ask, fathers and mothers, have you allowed your hearts to turn away from your children? And it's like, no, 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 I haven't done that. But think, just pause. Let the Holy Spirit work here. That's his job. Have we allowed busyness in our life to kind of cause us to kind of turn? Have we allowed things to be more important than our children? Have we allowed anger or bitterness or unforgiveness even to take root in our heart? I know people moms and dads who have not talked to their children in years because they've allowed conflict and sometimes it's not a big conflict that caused the breach sometimes it's a really you, you would think wow that's a pretty minor thing but it works so long and the unforgiveness works so long and you know dad dug in his heels and and the son dug in his heels and pretty soon there's this big there's this big gap. And if there's a big gap and you're playing Red Rover, what's going to happen? They're going to break through, aren't they? Are there places where there's unresolved issues in your, in your own heart, young people toward your mom and dad, or older people toward your mom and dad? Sometimes what we do when, when, we, when we're growing up is that we become angry at our parents and we judge them. Now, Scripture tells us, don't judge. For in the, I'm just going to read it out of Matthew 7, 1 through 2. It says, do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way that you judge, in the way that you judge others, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Don't judge, or you'll be judged. But in our hearts, we do. We judge our parents as being unfair, or mean, or abusive. And sometimes there's some truth to that, isn't there? Some of the things that happen in our families or, or happen to us, they're accurate assessment of a hurt that's actually happened. But we have to understand the difference between an accurate assessment. Now, we are called to judge every single day. We're called to judge between right and wrong, truth and error. What does the Scripture say? We need to know what Scripture says. Sometimes we get really kind of lazy in this area. Well, I can't judge that. I don't know, you know, who am I to judge that? But if it's sin, we're called to judge it. Not the person, but we're called to judge and say, no, that, that's not biblical. That's not according to God's heart. And so we're called to make those assessments, those judgments. What makes it bitter and what produces a bitter uh, effect in our life or bitter fruit in our life is when there's bitterness underneath it when there's unforgiveness, when, when we're saying you are your sin. We judge the character of the person and not the behavior of the person. And we say you're guilty, guilty, guilty. And in that place, we judge them. And then 
from that point on, everything, like if I judge you as mean one day and I get so mad at you and there's this bitter judgment in my heart and, and we have, um, we come together and we meet each other after that, am I seeing you with eyes of truth or do I see you through a grid of, of perception of my judgment? Usually through the judgment and it, it twists things for us and we see each other through those judgments. Oftentimes what happens though, is if we judge our parents and we grow up, oftentimes we begin to see our pastor through that mom and dad grid, or we see an employer through that mom and dad grid, or we see our husbands or our wives through that grid of judgment. And it, it, it keeps us from seeing them accurately. Galatians um, tells us, um, do not be deceived. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever we sow, that also shall we reap. So when we sow seeds of judgment, when we sow seeds of anger, when we sow seeds of division, what kind of harvest are we going to get back? We're going to get back that same kind of harvest. It's the law of God. Now that law was given to us for our benefit. It's the kindness of God. And he says, if you plant a kernel of corn, and you put it in the ground, you're going to get a stalk, you're going to get ears on that stalk, and on each one of those ears of corn, you're going to get little kernels. So potentially, you can get like a thousand seeds out of one. Now that's kingdom. Isn't that good? That's a good law. That's a good blessing. And he gave it to us for our benefit. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Didn't he? When he created man, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying that to you. Go and sow seeds radically. Go and, and impact the kingdom. You guys are sowing seeds into Haiti even today. And so you're sowing radical seeds. God loves that. That is so God's heart. And you guys will. I guarantee you, you will reap a harvest from that. God is going to bless you because you are operating from his heart. That is his heart for those orphans and for those people that are hurting. And he is going to bless you for that. But the same truth, you know, you can't say, oh, I want the law for the good. But if we continue to hold that other stuff in our heart, we will reap a harvest. And what's happening many times in our relationship with our children is that we've judged our parents and we vowed never to be like my father. I am never going to treat my children the way my dad treated me. And what's happening? How many of you did that? You vowed, I will never be like my dad. How many of you became like your dad? How many of you said, I'll never treat my kids that way? And you end up treating your kids the same way. And it's like, oh my goodness, Lord, what's happening here? It's like my heart is being turned against my children. I love my children. Why do I do the things that I do? I hear that so often in the counseling office. I love my kids. I don't know why I get so angry. I don't know why I, I just can't meet them heart to heart. I want to talk to my daughter. You know, I don't know how. I find myself, sometimes people found, find themselves abusing their own children and they're horrified. And they think, I'm a Christian. I love my children. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And oftentimes, it's because, one of the reasons is because they've judged and they've harbored that unforgiveness. They've hardened, hardened their hearts. And it's out of that pool of bitterness 
It's out of that pool of judgment that those actions are coming. Jesus said these things come from the heart, evil and evil thoughts and fornications and adultery and sinful behaviors. It's a heart issue. And if we see those things in our life, if you're struggling in your, with your children or in your marriage right now, you need to go to the heart. Find out where that's coming from. As Christians, we're, we're to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. And so when we have that fruit, especially, how many of you know that it's especially hard to produce that fruit in your home? It's a little easier in church, but at home, sometimes it's really, really hard to be loving. It's really, really hard to be long-suffering. But that's where the best fruit is, right? And so when we produce that fruit, we know that we're drinking nurture from the Holy Spirit of God. He's just manifesting himself. People look at us and they see God. Oh, I see God in you when you act that way. But if there's fruit that's unbecoming a Christian then we know, wow, I'm drinking nurture from something else. That's not Holy Spirit fruit. And so we simply ask the Lord, Lord, where is that fruit coming from? Dads, there may be fruit in your life, even as you think about last week, that there have been some places where you have not been loving to your kids, where you have not been long-suffering, where you have not been kind or gentle or patient. Moms, same thing. The message of God is to turn your hearts, to repent, to say, I'm really sorry. But you know what I hear from kids all the time? I'm tired of mom and dad saying they're sorry and doing the same thing over and over and over again. Being sorry doesn't cut it. That's pretty hard talk, but kids tell it the way it is, and I love that. I love people when they're like that, when they're honest and real. And you know what? I just have to say that, that sometimes sorry doesn't cut it. They need to see a change. They need to see, oh, dad used to walk this way, but dad's turning. And does that mean you have to be a perfect parent? No. But kids have a lot of grace for us if they know that we have humbled our heart and that we're willing to change. Right, kids? When you see that, I have kids and I have messed up. But I've gone to them and I've said, you know what, I see this. <laughs> in my school, I, when I took basic one in Elijah House, I put my head down on the table and bawled. I said, oh my gosh, I have done this to my children. And I called them and I repented. And my son right away, oh mom, just forget it, it's okay. I said, son, it is not okay. This is what I've done to you. And I see it and I am so sorry. And I've gone more than once, many times to them. When you're sitting in a counseling office and you hear kids, especially, and they say, my parents did that, and I go, I did that. Note to self. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Deal with it. And it's like I've gone to them, and I've also asked them, I realize I hurt you in this way. How can I make restitution to you? What can I do to rebuild your trust in that area? How can I make it better? My daughter, how can I make it better, sweetheart? I see things in you, and can we pray about this? Because I think it might be related to something that, that I did when you were little. 
and we've prayed together and we've had victory, that's turning our heart. That's humbling our heart and restoring that relationship, restoring the song. Scripture says, honor your father and mother that life will go well with you and you will live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So we look at our life and we say, where is my life not going well? And simply ask the Lord, Lord, is there a root of bitterness? Is there still unforgiveness in my heart? Sometimes it's really hard to forgive, especially if, if, if things just continue to happen. But you know, it, it's like that higher perspective. It's that place of honor where Jesus forgave while they were crucifying him. And sometimes we think, well, I'll forgive if they ask forgiveness. It may never happen. You know, let God work with that person. Your part is to soften your heart, to, to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to allow your heart to turn to that person and say, Lord, Lord, I forgive. I choose to forgive. Lord, forgive me for my sinful response, for the part that I played in this. Moms and dads, we have got to, to look at something too and ask ourselves the question, have we stood strong against sin? Have we stood in that place as a wall and have we said no to sin? Or is there pornography in your home? Are you watching movies or TV? Or are you reading books that you should not be looking at? Are you allowing alcohol into the home or drugs into the home? Are you opening up a door? Are you making your family vulnerable? Moms, same question. Are we being those righteous men and women that stand as a wall for our kids? Are we saying no to those things that tempt us? One of the saddest uh, stories in the Bible to me is the story of King Hezekiah. He was basically a good king. But he got sick and he cried out to God. And God healed him and gave him 15 more years. But Hezekiah went into some pride, and the prophet came to him and, um, and gave him a word from the Lord. He gave him a word from the Lord. And this is what he said. The time is coming when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left. Some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The and this is what, I mean, listen to this word. Everything that your fathers have stored up, your inheritance is going to be taken away. Some of your children are going to be killed. Some of them are going to be carried off to Babylon, and some of them are going to be made eunuchs, which means that they can't have children. Basically, his family line was going to end. And do you know what this king said? you know what his response to the prophet was? The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. The first time I read that, it's like, what? He said, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. 15 years of peace and security and his children would die, his inheritance would be lost, and his line would be cut off. They, his family would be carried off into Babylon. And you know what Babylon represents is sin. 
The prophet was saying, your kids are going to be carried off into sin and they're going to be made eunuchs. And Hezekiah replied, you've given me a good word for I will have peace. Moms and dads, sometimes we're doing that very same thing and we're involved in stuff and it's feeding our flesh and it's giving us peace for a day or peace for a season, but it's affecting our kids. Every giant that you're not slaying right now, your children are going to have to slay. It's true. And every victory that you gain today, just today, don't, don't worry about next week or next month, every victory that you gain today, every time you say no to sin, every time you sow seeds of godliness and forgiveness, every time you love your wife in front of your kids, every time you respect your husband in front of your children, every time you affirm him, every time you appraise, you praise him, you are establishing a line. But every time you allow that darkness in, you are weakening your family. You're weakening that wall of defense. And we have got to come to a place where we will stand in our field, like Shema, who was the mighty man of God. I shared this in the conference. He stood in a lentil field when all of Israel had fled, and he alone stood against the Philistines. And I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, why did he alone stand in that little field? Why would you do that? You knew that you were going to die. The Philistines, you know, they were giants. They were big men. But the Lord said that was his field. And he stood in his field. And he said, if I die here, I die here. But I'm not running the way of the world. I'm not going with everybody else. This is my little sphere of influence. Each one of us, whether you're a young person, whether you're an older person, whether you're a grandma, I love being a grandma. I love this sphere that God has me in. It's the best. I love it. We all have this little sphere of influence. Some of you have a larger sphere of influence. But God's calling us to stand there and to fight the giants. And you know what? When we stand in the power of the Lord... They're going to come down. Remember what David said? You come to me with sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies that you are defiling, de defying this day. And so when we stand in that place, God stands with us. And he says, hey, kid, move over. <laughs> Let me in. And he defends us. So we call upon him. And as we honor each other, as our hearts are turned toward each other, as our hearts are turned toward God, then we can defend those fields. Children, I want to address you. I love children's ministry. I love to minister to young people. I love it. But there is a place where you need to hear this too. There may be a place where you've allowed your heart to be hardened against your dad or against your mom or against your pastor or against your teacher. And God has the same call on you. Will you turn Will you stand in that lentil field that you've been given? And will you stand in this place and say, Lord, I choose to repent. I choose to turn my heart back. I choose to go deep and to find out where that fruit is coming from, where those behaviors are coming from. I'm not going to lay down and say, well, it's just me. You know me. I just get angry. That's no excuse. Be angry, but don't sin with it. Find out where it's coming from. Go to the roots. 
and you have resources here. This is, this is a, just a thumbnail of what, what Elijah House, the message of Elijah House, and there are people that are trained, and there are schools going on, so you can learn, and you say, I see fruit in my life, I don't know what to do with it, I've tried. Well, there are ways to find out, just ways of prayer, um, understanding keys of knowledge that you can have to be able to deal with those issues. I just want to just really appeal to you to let this stop today. Whatever's happening in the family, divisions or disunity or, or maybe things in the air that are just kind of out there, the call is to turn, to turn your hearts and allow the kindness of God. God isn't scolding you. He's loving you. He's not scolding me. This is a message not just for Whitley Church. This is a message for the church to turn, to turn the hearts of the children toward the fathers, the fathers toward the children, so that he can bless us, so that he can multiply us, so that he can pour out his blessing upon us. To close this message, I want to play a movie clip. And it's a clip from a movie, Blood Diamond. And I don't recommend the, the whole movie. It's, it's a violent movie. It's a hard movie to watch. It's based on, on something that really happened in Sierra Leone in, in 1999. And the rebels had risen up, and they were stealing children from the families and making soldiers out of them. And they would cut off their arms. They would beat them. They would drug them. They would... Uh, brainwash them. They would force them to do all kinds of evil things. And they would turn the children against the parents and against the villagers. And then they would take them into that villagers and have the children kill their own families. And they hardened the children's hearts to the point where the children could actually do that. And this is a story of a young boy that was kidnapped. But to me, it's a story of a father who is pursuing his son. And all through this movie, this dad is looking for the son that was taken, looking for the son that was lost. He loves his little boy. And so he, the, the father goes through all kinds of hardship. He, he's captured as well. And he's forced to uh, work in a diamond field. And the name of the movie is Blood Diamond. He finds a pink diamond. It's very valuable. It's a big diamond. And so he hides the diamond. He buries it. And later he meets a mercenary, and the mercenary wants the blood diamond for the money. The father wants to recover the blood diamond so that he can rescue his family, so that he can rescue his son. And so the, the two men, as this scene begins, the two men are digging up this diamond. And in this scene, it's the first time that the father and the son meet since the son has been taken, since the son has been brainwashed to to come against his own family. And as you watch this movie, I want you to think about your own heart and to think if there's a place in your own heart where you've allowed your heart to become hardened, where you've become brainwashed. You know, even some of the music that we listen to the day is literally brainwashing us, putting thoughts and ideas and anger you know, uh, I ministered to a young man that was involved with gang rap, uh, rap, you know, and it was so full of violence and murder, and he hated his children. And it wasn't until, you know, we, we looked, about, looked at the music and things that he was able to realize what an effect that it was having on his life. And so I want you to think about any ways that your heart has turned 
against your father or against your children. Moms and dads, I, I want to just ask you, if you have been pursuing the hearts of your children, have you been going through hardship, difficulties, pain, to find your children's hearts and to rescue them? Or have you given up? Have you allowed your heart to, to become cold? And so, again, just watch this movie clip, and then we'll close in prayer. Keep digging, huh? They'll be here any second. Come on. <clears throat> Keep digging. Could it better be there, huh? Yes, yes. Yeah. You got it. Have you got it, huh? Yes, got it. to move, huh? Lord, I ask that you would help each one of us to see those places where we've been angry at one another, angry at our fathers, our mothers, where we've turned our hearts against each other, Lord, where we've turned our hearts against our children where we have not pursued our sons and daughters for the sake of our own peace, where we've allowed disunity, where we've allowed division, where we've allowed even thoughts of divorce to come into our heart, Lord, where we've allowed ourselves 
to, to forget, to forget the courage and the call. Lord, turn our hearts today. We choose to heed the message, Lord, of your word, your famous last words, Lord. Turn the hearts. Lord, we want to do that. We want to turn our hearts toward you. We want to turn our hearts toward our children and toward our children so that you can bless the earth, so that we can walk as men and women of blessing. The message of John the Baptist was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is at hand. His righteousness, his peace, his joy. And so I'm going to close this message in prayer, but Pastor has issued an, an invitation if you would like prayer to come forward. Maybe you just want to stay in your seats and to repent. Sometimes what we do, we're pricked in a message and we, we get up and we leave and we get busy and have lunch and we lose the moment. We lose that anointing. We lose the opportunity. I'm just going to really appeal to you today. Do not lose this moment. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, take the time to just talk to him today. If you need to pray to, with someone else, come forward. The prayer team's going to come forward. And prayer team, do you want to go ahead and just come forward? If we could play just a little quiet instrumental music. Lord, we just ask right now for your gift, for your gift of repentance, Lord. And Lord, we open up our hearts to you and say, Lord, I have sinned. I have sinned. I recognize this, Lord. And Father, I want to get back on the wall. I want to get back in that place of unity and harmony. Lord, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless your people. And fill us now. Lord, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. We love you, God. And we give you all honor and all glory, and all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, um, we're going to have our prayer team come, other members who are here who minister in prayer. I want to welcome you to come and help us. Those of you who are um, going to leave, just please leave very quietly. Our guest, please pick up your gift before you go. God bless you. Thank you. You're dismissed.